It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, what's happening, everyone? We are getting you ready for the Sharks to take on the Blues at the tank tonight. And right now, we are going to bring in Curtis Pashelka of Bay Area News Group covering the Sharks. Curtis, what's going on, man? How are you doing? I'm not too bad, Ted. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Just looking forward to... Uh, uh, another opportunity for the Sharks to have a, uh, a better showing, and that's kind of what my bar has been, is like show improvement, ha have a better performance. I thought Tuesday night against a good Florida team that they actually showed a lot of what they haven't shown in other games, uh, even you know looking at those wins that they were able to register, just because of the fact that it's like they gave up the first goal, but they fought their way back into that game. They even had a 3-2 lead at that point be before Florida kind of flexed their superior talent which i think is fairly that's a that's what it was like they're just a better team but you know it's definitely an improvement from the uh you know the 10 to 10 one losses and then you can make the argument the five nothing and four one losses that they saw in vegas and anaheim on the road as well oh for sure i mean they were they were they they created a lot more chance i thought they were more consistent uh from start to finish they got off to a pretty good start um you know i think florida started to to flex its muscle a little bit, you know, towards the end of the first and into the second period. But, you know, I mean, once again, Mackenzie Blackwood gave this team a, a chance to win. And, and, uh, but as, as has been the case, sort of been, you know, these last, you know, a couple of games here, the special teams played a huge role. And, uh, you know, the penalty kill, you know, gave up a couple, including the, the one that tied the game, uh, you know, midway through the third period there. So, uh, it seems like the Sharks, you know, they, they they go ahead, they they make strides in fixing one area, and another area kind of comes, a very concern kind of pops up. So uh, it's it's one thing at a time with the Sharks right now, and I think that you know going into tonight's game, it's about you know keeping up that level of consistency, you know, playing well through the neutral zone, and and uh, you know avoiding mistakes against a a, a a good Blues team that's kind of knows what it has to do to win games and is on kind of a kind of a role right now too does it concern you that the general manager of the sharks had to go in and say something to the team or do you look at that as saying hey they can still respond to a message that that's still a good thing yeah no i i i guess you know those those type of things don't happen very often you know that card that gm can play uh you know he can't do it very often so uh, I mean, I thought it was the right time. I mean, when you lose ten to one, ten to two, um, it's 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 probably a time for a new voice to get in the room and, and have a message for the for the guys. I, you know, it wasn't like uh, you know he dressed him down and grabbed the right act, but he basically made sure that everybody understood that this what just happened was completely unacceptable, and you know it wasn't going to be tolerated. Uh, no matter what kind of stage uh, the Sharks are in in terms of an organization. So um, that was sort of the message going forward here, and that uh, it's going to be the guys in the room that kind of have to 
make sure that things like that don't happen again. You know, the cavalry isn't coming. I mean, we know that there's probably going to be some some roster movement uh, later on in the season. But, you know, for right now, I mean, everybody in the room kind of has to look each other in the eye and, and see what they can do to to avoid those type of games before. And, uh, you know, since that point, it's been definitely more consistent. You know, obviously that game in Vegas got away from a little bit and Anaheim played really well in the third period there and as did Florida. Uh, but, you know, just you can't, you can't get embarrassed on home ice like that. And that was certainly uh, Mike Greer felt it was the right time for him to, to talk with the players at that point. Do you think that the value of Logan Couture has never maybe been more apparent just in terms of what he brings as a leader and onto the ice as well? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, he's he's a guy who does everything for this team and has done everything for this team for, for over a decade in terms of what he does on the offensive side, how he what he's responsible for in, in terms of matching up to the other team's top lines. Uh, that's something that those things he's done for for most of his career. So uh, any chip in the fact that this is sort of a new group and you know a lot of new faces on this team, and it's good to have a captain on the ice with you uh, to sort of help try to bring that all together. It doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to have a lot of success, but you know you look at some of the games the Sharks have played this year, some of the closer games, and if you have a little couture out there. You, you could probably guarantee that you're going to have more than five points at this point in the season. So, um, you know, definitely guys who's definitely missed and, you know, you just don't know when he's going to come back. I mean, yeah. quite frankly, he doesn't even have a locker inside the Sharks uh, dressing room right now at the, at their practice. So you had to move him out to make room for uh, Daniel Gushin and uh, some other guys who are hurt right now. So, uh, so it's tough. Uh, you know, they don't know when he's going to get back. There's no timeline for him to start skating again. Could be could be looking till after Christmas for for him to get back, and then who knows what the Sharks are going to look like at that point. The loss of him, though, to the offense in particular, because we we know he's a two way player, uh, you know, and the to me that's that's another discussion, sure, but the lack of offensive production, like I wonder about the cascading effect that his absence has on the forwards and their groupings, and then also why the lack of offensive production has been this bad. Is it a is it the effect of that cascading absence or is this just a group of guys that all is new and we should expect some sort of, you know, not even a regression to their, I mean, a, a progression to up to where they are normally at at this terms of their, you know, their points per game. I mean, finally, Grandland had a couple of points the other night. He's one we're looking to, but I think there's, you know, a number of players that we would have expected to have a, a higher offensive output up to this point. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, if you if you're able to slot a Logan Couture into the two, you know, the two C role, then you have the flexibility. Okay, what do you want to do with Grandland at that point? Do you want to move him to three C, where he's probably a little bit of a better fit? Uh, do you want to move him to the wing um, inside your top six? Uh, it's, it's just having him there would have uh, allowed the Sharks and allowed David Quinn to slot players probably a little more properly uh, than right now and. And, uh, you know, you talk about the offense a, a little bit and, and uh, it was such a tough go without him and Granlund uh, for those six games there, especially on that road trip. Once they got behind one or two goals, you just kind of felt that it was just too much for the Stars team to, to overcome. So, um, yeah, I mean, Anthony DeClaire was starting to feel a little bit better about his offensive output before he just got sick there. He had strep throat. He lost about 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. 
So he's, it looks like he'll be back in the lineup tonight for, for the Sharks. That'll certainly help. Uh, you know, you look at a guy like uh, missing a Bear Bonoff. You know, he was a guy, he, you know, he didn't get, have, he hadn't had a point in his first six games, but I mean, you look at his history here, and he's been a top six guy since he got to San Jose uh, in the, uh, April of 2021. And, and some other guys like Mike Hoffman just got on the board, his first goal in 15 games. And, you know, Philip Zadina is, you know, no one, you know, he's, he, there's no doubt about it. He tries, you know, he puts the effort in, puts the work in, but just isn't, isn't getting them there enough. And David Quinn talked about the need for, for everybody to look look better and play smoother throughout the, uh, as they transition out of the offense into the offense, offensive zone from the neutral zone and, and just coming in with, with more speed to create those kind of opportunities. And, you know, something the Sharks have given up a lot, but they just haven't shown a lot themselves here. Uh, through the first uh, 15 or 16 games. So you add it all together. And I know the Sharks didn't think it was going to be this bad, but, you know, 2-12-1, and one, you know, you're, you're kind of starting to look at the history books here and say, well, wow, you know, what, uh, what's the final record going to look like? So, you know, it's it's tough. But like you said, you have to start here. You, you look at Tuesday's game. You look at the positives there. You try to build on it and uh, try to come up with a better result tonight. Does your viewpoints on the Sharks maybe stepping back into a more, I don't even know, I'm not contending, that's not the right word, but just to be a more competitive as opposed to rebuild, like building type team, like get past the re part and get towards the progress part. Has that changed at all? I know that they will have room on the books this summer, and that's a testament, I think, to what Mike Greer has been able to do, the Carlson contract in particular. He had to take on some stuff in the short term, but it gives them more um, opportunity going forward. But, you know, that being said, there's still, it doesn't just change overnight. Like one off season isn't enough. I could be, I just, I wouldn't, you know, invest in that theory. It takes time. Oh, for sure. And, you know, you look at the amount of UFAs that the Sharks going to have this upcoming year, uh, who gets shipped out at the trade deadline. And this roster, once again, is going to have a whole bunch of new faces on it for next season. You know, can those guys, come together and, and play the right way or play the way that they need to play to have success. You know, is a, is a Will Smith in the mix at that point? Is he, does he turn pro after one year of college? Mm-hmm. Do the Sharks get lucky and get win the draft lottery? And is a Mac of Celebrini a part of this next season? Uh, there's so many unknowns. I, I think the Sharks are, and we asked, you know, my career about this not too long ago about the, about the timeline for a potential rebuild, Maybe Hostel Plotter wants to be a guy who wants to get this thing going sooner rather than later. But, you know, from Mike's perspective, he doesn't want to rush it. Uh, he knows this, you know, teams can get into trouble when they try to rush the rebuild. So I think in, he has a certain timeline in mind uh, for when to start to think, turn this thing around. I think it's more likely that it happens two years from now or starts to happen two years from now rather than next season. Just because, uh, like you said, there's there's going to be more cap space available uh, you know some of the some of your younger prospects that you've drafted within the last two or three years are probably going to be a little bit more ready for full-time NHL roles at that point so uh, you know it, it's sort of a balance there I mean you do need to take this time to sort of restock the cupboards and and get the players in there that you want while at the same time um, you know uh, not being a being in a in a, in a place where you don't want to stay in the state for too, too long kind of thing. So uh, it's a balancing act 
for sure for, for this front office to try to uh, do this the right way, but at the same time not uh, be in this position for, for a very long time like we've seen with some other organizations around the league. Uh, like any good media member, Curtis, I'm sure you do this too, but I start thinking and start ruminating and start getting lost in my own thoughts. And I've had people say to me like, hey, what's going on at Edmonton? They need a goalie. Would the Sharks dangle Mackenzie Blackwood? And I've said, ah, the Edmonton situation. I don't, I don't even know what they you know, could potentially do right now. But while looking at that timeline, like what, what do the Sharks do with a player like Mackenzie Blackwood who is showing great promise but maybe doesn't fit with the specific timeline of where they're at right now. I mean, those are the things that I, you know, I can sit down and start thinking about and end up sitting and thinking for a while. And I don't mean to put pressure on him specifically, but it's a topic that people had brought up to me. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't think, you know, from what I understand or what I can gather, I don't think Mackenzie Blackwood's a guy that the Sharks are looking uh, to move. Um, You know, when you've got a goalie like that, that's someone you can kind of, you know, try to build around as you kind of you know make this a more competitive team down the road but at the same time you know Mackenzie doesn't really have any trade restrictions that I'm aware of maybe he does I can't remember but um you know if a team comes along and makes you a terrific offer one that you can't really refuse then you know then uh you got it as a GM you sort of have to weigh that and, and make that decision so um you know we'll see it we'll see how it all kind of uh, kind of shakes out I'm sure as we get closer to the deadline you know, if McKenzie continues to play well and and uh, gives this team a, a chance to win on a nightly basis, I think a lot of teams would would look at the Sharks and and uh, you know just ask, hey, you know, is he available? What are you looking for? What do you need? And uh, see if there's a fit there. But uh, it's an interesting question. I, mean, I guess you can go down the roster and and uh, ask just about anybody of that uh, of that situation, even if they have an extra year. If the unit, if they're not in a ex- contract expiring season, like a lot of guys are, and mm-hmm. ask if they're a, if they're a long term fit, fit here or, or not, and you know, I think for Mackenzie, he's he's at the age he's twenty seven or going to be twenty seven this month, I think, um, where uh, you know he's not a young man, but you know he's still getting the kind of the prime of his career, and mm-hmm. maybe he can be a guy that starts to keep for for a while. For the bright spots at this point, you know, I'm looking at both the the sweets right now what you see with Eklund and Zetterland um although Eklund's point production hasn't been maybe as much as some p- people would like I do really like his game overall I like his work on the four check I like that he's not shying away from physicality he'll kind of throw his his weight around there he's not reckless or anything but he's you know he'll he'll get low on guys and you know show that he's not to be intimidated and then Zetterland he was quiet when he came over after the trade last year but he has had uh, what I thought is, a, you know, arguably the brightest spot other than Mackenzie Blackwood up to this point of the season. Yeah, I think I think for Fabian Zetterland, it's just about finding out what he needs to do to be successful uh, on a consistent basis. And certainly his play has uh, dictated that he be on the top line right now alongside Tomas Hurl. And and uh, and you're right, he, he could very well be considered the top Sharks forward or at least the Sharks top Sharks winger. Um, you know, up until this, up until this point. And you mentioned William Eklund, you know, there was a, a few shifts there, I think on, on Tuesday night's game where, you know, David Quinn wasn't terribly happy with his play and moved him down to the fourth line for uh, a few shifts just to sort of get the message across that um, he wasn't happy with, uh, with a couple of things that transpired, including that, 
that opening faceoff there where where Florida got a great a chance like five ten seconds into this into the game. So uh, that was a situation where I think uh, you know David Quinn need to send a message to a young player. I think I think William talked about uh, how he received that message and 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 it will do what he can to to make sure it doesn't happen again. He kind of forget. I mean he's been around for a while. It seems like. They drafted the guy like five years ago, but he's still like he's still only twenty one years old. He's yeah. there's got to be some hiccups here and there with his game. So this is a year for him to sort of go through those those uh, issues and learn from them and correct them. And you know, as he gets uh, a little bit older, into his second full season in NHL, his third full season in the NHL, um, he'll learn from that and be a player better be a, be a player better player for it. Um, what's the scene? I don't know. But uh, he's definitely, uh, uh, you know, going through some growing pains right now, which I think will benefit him in the long run. When do you think Thomas Bordalo gets another chance? I know that they brought up Daniil Gushin, and uh, he played well. I was there for both the games this past weekend, so I wasn't surprised to see him get um, an opportunity. But also, Thomas Bordalo looked pretty good. He had goals in both Friday night and Sunday night's game for the Barracuda. Also had another assist in the uh, Sunday game, I believe he was the uh, the first star out of that one. Um, what you know is this not message sending, but do they want him to to really want it to get back to the NHL? I guess not give an easy path. I guess it's always hard to figure out what the the motivations and the you know how they're trying to poke the bear specifically with each player because I do think in pro sports it is specific to each player. They're looking at a the best way to mo- motivate each one as an individual, not as a team-wide process even if they do project it more as a team-wide thing yeah for sure and, and uh you know with, with thomas i think they they know what they kind of have in him and what his ceiling might be and what's going to make him be successful in the nhl i think you know i'd have to look this up but i think you know they've got a few more days at least before they have to make a decision on ryan carpenter you have a certain window as to whether or not when you're going to need to send him back to the uh to the American league without having to put him through waivers again. So um, I don't know if that's a major concern, but you know, I think they've, they've generally liked what they've seen from Ryan Carpenter up here so far. Um, and it hasn't been perfect by any stretch, but uh, that could, that could play a role too. And as, as to when uh, we see Thomas Bortle up here again, he'll be up here again at some point, mm-hmm. whether it's, uh, you know, after Christmas, after the all-star break or after the trade deadline, um, you know, he'll he'll definitely get another look to to see where his game is at. Um, and, uh, you know, injuries could play a role, too. You know, if, if a guy gets hurt, then it seems to be Thomas Bortle would be the first guy they call up if it's a if it's a centerman that gets uh, that gets injured. So a lot of things go into it. But uh, you know, I think for now, it's it's OK to keep Thomas down there, um, let him continue to get some confidence and continue to play with the puck and play those big minutes, big minutes on a nightly basis. And when he, so when he does come back up here, it's not like a, a yo-yo thing. When he comes back up, they want him to really try to establish himself as a full-time player up here. Curtis, excellent work as always. I appreciate your time, and I will see you in a few hours, all right? You got it, Ted, anytime. Again, that was Curtis Pashelka, who covers the Sharks for the Bay Area News Group, joining us here on the buildup as we get you ready for game time. 7.30 go time, 7 o'clock pregame coverage right here on the Sharks Audio Network. Dan Rusinowski and Brett Hedekin on the call. And then the Sharks get a couple of days off, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, get some rest, get some practice before they head up to Vancouver on Monday night. 
Uh, they will take on the Canucks Monday, and then they've got uh, the Kraken on Wednesday night on the road before they're back home Friday and Saturday for Montreal and then Vancouver and then the Caps. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off.